from Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your podcast for February 25th. No, 26th. Wow, time is flying. Feb 26, 2020. I find it very odd. I, you know, I, I get, look, I told you this would happen. I'm not trying to act like I'm the only one who thought this would happen. But uh, I still get a kick out of it when things I say are going to happen, indeed happen. I get a kick also out of the fact that on the same day of the, the, the heartbreaking tribute for Kobe Bryant and his little beautiful daughter, Gianna, which was so hard to watch, and I choked up a number of times, although... Not as much as Jimmy Kimmel. He, he is now the professional crier. If you saw that episode of Larry David of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm a couple of weeks back where the actress Isla Fisher played this professional crier and Larry couldn't trust her because, you know, he never, <laughs> rightfully so, you don't know if someone's crying because of something that really touched them or if that's just good at what they did, they're good at what they do. Anyhow. I'm off track. The point is, um, Kimmel was crying his, his ass off. We all saw Michael Jordan, Shaq, so many people, and Vanessa, of course, who we don't hear her talk much, and I beat her up after the uh, chopper went down. Uh, you know, I said some things about she may not have an easy go of it, not only without her man and her little girl, but, you know, I don't think she had much of a... Um, personality you know when you when you're married to somebody as huge as kobe bryant when when the biggest stars in tv and movies and sports are there honoring your husband it's it's hard to say that there's a bigger star especially in los angeles where all the movie stars and tv stars live anyhow the point is she acted pretty uh poised up there in in talking about her man, and her little girl. Uh, I don't wish that on anybody. That was heartbreaking to watch. But I do find it fascinating that on the same day that that tribute aired, suddenly the news comes that she's suing the uh, the helicopter company, Island Express. I don't know if that timing was accidental or calculated, but I find it interesting nonetheless. If that was something Vanessa Bryant wanted to do, She's got a little mamba in her as well, because that's a killer move. So basically, her and the six other passengers who died on the flight uh, are all going to sue Island Express, which owned the helicopter. But there's not going to be enough money to go around, because they they, they had a liability insurance that was uh, basically totaled $50 million. And that's not an unusual figure, by the way, but given the number of people that that company transports on a single helicopter and the fact that very rich celebrities uh, use the service, that number's pretty low. You know, 100 million might have been better because Vanessa's asking for compensatory and punitive damages. And with respect to the compensatory damages, you know, Kobe Bryant's family alone, she may be looking at hundreds of millions of dollars because... Kobe's earning potential was ridiculous. Outside of his professional sports career, the guy won an Oscar and an Emmy. I mean, 
it's the more you think about this death, the crazier it is. It's it's such a it is absolutely the biggest death of any athlete I've ever been um, a part of in my career in my life. I I, I really can't think of one bigger. Um, but on top of that, the punitive damages, God, that could put things in the fucking stratosphere. And don't forget the people that the the, the other passengers left behind. The, the spouses, the children, they had promising professions. Yeah, they were coaches and whatnot, but uh, they'd be entitled to millions as well. So the question is, with all these hundreds of millions of dollars in, in possible payouts, who gets what out of the $50 million pot? Now, judges have to decide who's going to get this and that, and I hope everybody's happy because if they're not happy, some of those other families we may see some uh, crisscrossing lawsuits. And I hate to think that somebody out there is going to sue Vanessa. I still think that's a possibility. I know a lot of you go, well, well, how could you sue Kobe? He had nothing to do with it. I don't know about that. You get the right lawyer who can sniff out untold millions. There might be a way once the dust settles a few months from now, when it's not as uh, painful or not as poignant, where some bloodthirsty attorney can go, there's a way to sue Vanessa. Let's look into this. Are you game? And when you're without your dad or your daughter or your wife, you might go, yeah, I'm game. Let's fucking do this. You know, Vanessa has enough money. He left her 300 mil, not to mention all their property and shit like that. What's another, you know, yeah, I want some of that fucking pie. I get it. Right now, they're still crying in their coffee, crying in their pillow. But, you know, give it till the summertime and it's going to get vicious. So she's the only person, the only family member who's sued so far. But I'm telling you, other people have lawyered up. And more lawsuits are absolutely going to be coming. As for the company itself, um, the fact that this was probably certainly caused by a pilot's error, it's, you know, it's curtains for the company. They're not going to get insurance again, and they're going to go under, and that's that. Just, I just thought, you know, I just found it fascinating. The day of the tribute, the day of the concert, so to speak, out here in Los Angeles, that that, that suit would be announced. Um, we'll see. By the way, I just got, I, not that I got news of this alone, but I just read about this and I'm fascinated. Look, the Bachelor franchise, I don't watch The Bachelor. I've caught a couple episodes here and there. I know what it's about. I've seen... I'm never fascinated by it. You know, it's always who gets drunk the first night or two. And the fact that they're all fucking each other, I just don't get as pulled in as other people on TV do. Like I see Kimmel and Fallon going berserk, David Spade. I get a kick out of how crazy they are for this show. But anyhow, this Bachelor franchise is like herpes. It never it never goes away. And every once in a while, there's a, there's a flare-up that results in a new strain. And by the way, the new strain now... The people who greenlit The Bachelor are, are, are have greenlit a show called Love is Blind. This is going to be about seniors looking for love. Now, this show, I will not miss. I'm, I, there's no way I miss. I want a show of everyday people being cast on dating shows. I, you know, I've seen Love is Blind, and so I've seen some of these things in moderation. It's a bunch of shit. You know, uh, listen... I, I want people from the regular pool of life to be seen on dates. That's what's going to get interesting. Remember Blind Date, that silly reality show years ago? That's more in lines of, uh, more in line of what I think is fun. When everybody on the show 
is a model or an actor, you know, they all look the same. They all have the same surgeons and shit. Everybody's got six pack abs. It gets boring after a while for me. You know, nothing, nothing shocking about beautiful people falling for each other or fucking each other in a hot tub. That's expected. It's like two magnets in a drawer. What if somebody were falling in love with somebody with a cleft palate or a fucking conjoined twin on their back? Now we're talking to great television. What if you fell in love with a girl who's uh, used to be 275 pounds and now she's thinner and you got to wait to see those stretch marks? What if you fall in love with a guy who was in the 5'5 five, five and under club? Now we're talking about great TV. I want to see something different. And I know there are casting directors out there who are chomping at the bit. They want shows like this because there are so many stay-at-home people. Forget stay-at-home. There are so many seniors who are funny, attractive, have money, have attitudes, and they want to get back in the dating game. They're in the dating game. Why not put a camera on their uh, their exploits? Anything's better than the regular Bachelor right now. Uh, senior citizens, listen, senior citizens can still pass around chlamydia. Uh, don't be fooled. I, I, my, my brother-in-law, Frankie, uh, before he retired, was a nursing home supervisor. And believe me, he told me stories about the Casanova old men in their 80s who would go from room to room fucking old ladies. You know, their husband's been dead 30 years or for five years, and they still want it. And there are some of these guys, they get countless times. They're not allowed to sleep in the other person's room. That's kind of against the rules of a nursing home, at least some nursing homes. And my brother-in-law would find him in the other room, and he'd have to, like, gently, like, scold them. But you feel bad because, you know, they want what we all want. They want love and affection intimacy. And I got to tell you, even though... He didn't have the kind of job that made him a fortune. He always loved going to work because he said he never stopped learning. People are so, uh, you know, you learn from old people. So many people don't want to listen to old people anymore. We shush them. I don't, I tend not to do that. I like talking to old people because, oh, look, I'm not too far away. 20, 25 years goes like that. Um, who the fuck knows where I'm going to be? When I'm 75, 78, I have no idea, but I certainly think I'm still going to want intimacy. God forbid my wife passes or whatever the hell. It's it's sad, but you get a lot of the talking to old people. They really fill you up with with um, with stories and wisdom. And uh, look, these shows. Did you ever get any kind of wisdom from somebody on the fucking Bachelor? All those drunk girls. Excuse me, can I steal him for a minute? That's why I love the SNL sketch. Where they all, all the girls roll up to the guy. Can I steal him for a minute? You know, this is good. I really like this. Oh, it's such bullshit. But that's the dating game. So happy I'm not in it. So like I said, seniors still get their VD on. Don't worry about that. And by the way, the older you get, racists. Oh my God, racism, misogyny. That That's the kind of stuff that exists. And it exists a lot as you get older and get up in age. People do not change their ways they don't care how they're looked at on television they're going to be their regular selves i know the more i say the more you want to watch this i could tell because young kids young people are woke they know what can and cannot be said except when alcohol gets involved then we see the train wreck tv but in general old people don't give a shit and producers will not have to worry about uh tweets from six or seven or, or ten years ago they're not going to have to look into that. I've seen the the uh, the ledgers you have to sign, the ledgers you have to read and, and signature 
when you're joining these shows. You've got to talk about honestly about sexually transmitted diseases in your life. You've got to be really open and honest about your 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 Twitter history, all this kind of shit. Old people will never have to go through this. There's not going to be problematic photo shoots from the old days. Not, not, nobody's going to have some old dick pics lying around from, you know, six months ago that are going to resurface and get in trouble, get them in trouble. That's not, that's not going to happen. Maybe there'll be somebody busted for weed at Woodstock. You know, who cares? Another great thing, fewer virgins, okay? I can pretty much rest assured that every female on Love is Blind We'll have had sex for many, many years. The hot tub's going to get a lot of use, not only for sex, but for just, you know, helping their joints from from being in pain. And from all the Ben Gay and Icy Hot they put in their body, it's going to be a nice oil slick on top of that jacuzzi. Not from Astroglide, from Ben Gay and Icy Hot. But hey, it's going to be fun in that whirlpool. And the baby boomer generation, they... Let some wild shit fly. They don't care what they say. Like I said, the producers are banking on that, and I think they're going to get paid in dividends. I'm going to watch this. I I want a few seniors that don't care and have nothing to do with trout lips and, and, and fake asses and tick jobs. Let's get those titties hanging down to the belly button. Let's get them some love. I think it's going to be sweet watching the old folks find love. You know, get ready for a lot of penis enhancement and dry vagina commercials every every 10 minutes or so. Ads for poise pads and erectile dysfunction. It's going to be a nice change. You know, it'll be just like in the nursing homes when they're 80 years old or so. All the ladies are chasing and fighting over the most over the most viable man, the most handsome man who doesn't use a walker. The guy without a walker in a nursing home, he's fucking... He's fly. He's the guy you want. I mean, let's face it. Most of these guys on this show, Love is Blind, are going to pick the youngest lady. I'm sure. But if they don't, that's going to be really sweet. It's going to help if the guy's got a lot of money. But you know what's going to matter more than anything else? How much he has in his retirement account. Not what he does for a living or what he did for how much you got left. How much does your last wife take? And what do you got left? Oh, God. My buddy Ronnie who I grew up with, Ronnie Maselli, who ended up going in and out of prisons. He got into cocaine in the 80s. He started selling it. It, it just, we there was a fork in the road. I went left, he went right, or vice versa. I swear to God, the movie Scarface changed his life. He wanted to be Tony Montana. We saw it on the same day together. Within weeks, he had two small palm trees on each side of his bed, in his bedroom. His father had died when he was a kid. My family kind of took him in. His mother was dating other men. There were men sleeping in his house. He saw his mom with other men. It was a, you know, this mother, this woman, his mom died. Uh, her husband died when, when she was young, late 30s. And she had a lot of living to do. So she was trying to find a man because she had four kids. I think the oldest at the time of the father's death was like nine. It's like nine to two, the kids were. She needed a man. Anyhow, Ronnie rebelled, but we had a ball. We had uh, him and Chico and I, the, the amount of laughing, I can't stand it. But he spent a lot of time in prison. He started dealing cocaine. He started working for local mafiosa. He's out of prison now. But back, I'm going to say 10, 12 years ago, he was on the lam. He was about to go back in because he got out and punched somebody in the face. And 
you know, he's facing the third strike rule, but he was on the lam and he was down in Florida and he would send me, he would send me videos and pictures of all these girls he was hooking up with on the lam. But then he goes, you know what? I'm not selling cocaine anymore. I'm not even selling steroid kits anymore. What I'm doing is I'm selling, <laughs> he started selling dick pills, Viagra, Cialis. He was selling opiates. He was going to retirement communities. In particular, he was in, he was going to the villages in Florida. He said he was doing fantastic. Those guys don't have money problems. They got the IRA accounts that are fucking doing fine. And he would go there at a certain time every day, he'd pull up in his truck. And most of the time, the guys would tell him, show up when my, when my wife or my lady is learning how to line dance or fucking playing bingo. And the guys are at happy hour at the bar telling war stories. And when Ronnie would pull up, he said about 12 of them would drive up in their BMW or Rolls Royce golf carts or Mercedes golf carts, and they'd buy the dick pills and the fucking Vicodin and Percocet because they needed that shit because it's tough. You know, a lot of these people get cut off for medicine nowadays because of all the opiate problems, so they need someone to sell it to them. So he was a godsend to them, but he told me so many funny stories. These guys are screwing the widow next door, even though their wife is with them. You know, it's, it's a, listen, it's just as wild as a college campus, he said. And he was selling blow in the 80s, so he would know. But I would love this show. I just hope they keep the political correctness out of it, because as we know, political correctness is fucking killing everything. It's everywhere. The other day came news that Hank Azaria is going to stop altogether voicing the character named Apu on The Simpsons. You know, the long-running Indian character. Um, and it came under fire a few years back. Some uh, vocal opponents called out the fact that his character, who who managed the Quickie Mart, was a racially uh, stereotypical character. The, the behavior was that of an Indian and and Hank Azaria was like, you know what? It, it's just no longer fun voicing him because of the controversy. He said, what happened with this character is a window into an important issue. It's a good way to start the conversation. I can be accountable and try to make up for it as best I can. He's being nice. He's already made a fucking fortune voicing this character. How much of a fortune? You want to take a guess? You have no idea. How about 22 years ago? In 1998, he was getting 30000 an episode. He voiced a few more characters other than Apu, but $30,000 an episode in 1998, do you know what that equals in 2020? Are you? I don't want to guess, and they're not telling anybody because it's horrifying. Guys like Harry Shearer, you know, they, they they never have to work. They haven't had to work for over 20 years because of this Simpsons job. What a fucking cushy thing to have. So that show is airing all over the world. How much you want to bet nobody in India cares about Apu and how this racially stereotypical the cat? I don't buy it. It's only here in America we give a shit, and it's the wrong kind of care. The fun is being taken out of hundreds of things around us. Fun is gone. Truth is gone. I'm going to do a show next week, I believe, called 
I'm going to have, I'm going to hold a funeral for truth and then I'll hold a funeral for fun because that's what's happening lately. It's disgusting. I just, I wonder who's happier now because of all this politically, politically correctness. Who, who's having a better time of it? Are the people from India sleeping better now? Are they running away from the fact that many quickie mart type places in America and 7-Elevens and such are run by Indians? They know it. They want to come here and do that. Some of them, the ones who aren't doctors. Is, is there something that they should feel shame about operating a convenient mart, convenience mart or a 7-Eleven? Why? Running a store is an admirable job. It's a hard job. Usually very long hours, not very rewarding, except to say it's a long, slow, and steady road. I guess eventually you do well. Maybe you open up two, three stores. Before you know it, you're a, you know you're an American success story. So what is it? Are we all supposed to now forget the fact that people from India primarily work in this space? What a bunch of horseshit. Can't stand it. Speaking of uh, stereotypes, I had two incidents yesterday that really pissed me off. And I blame the coronavirus. I really do. I'm on an elevator to go see my doctor for some refills. And I I see an Asian couple, an elderly mom and her daughter. And her daughter was like in her 40s. And they're running to the, well, kind of running to the elevator. And I right away, I think, oh, Christ, here comes the fucking coronavirus. I don't need two Asians uh, on the fucking, in a closed space next to me. Who knows if they were in fucking China last week? I don't need this, you know? And these people were wearing masks, too. The fucking Asians have been wearing masks ever since the bird flew. For now, now it's like really, you know, I know there, there are Asians who run convenience stores or, or gas stations in L.A. Who, who've been wearing gloves to hand you change or they don't want to put their fingers on your hand. They drop the change on the counter and want you to pull it towards you. I can't stand this shit. All the diseases are coming from your country. Stop acting like we're fucking with you. You're fucking with us. So I look at them. I go, here comes the fucking virus. Get me out of here. I start to try to shut the door to the elevator, but I wasn't pressing the fucking button. I was pressing the wall. I thought I had my finger on the button. I didn't. And here come the two Asians with masks on. And um, it makes them look more suspect, in my opinion, wearing the mask. Don't you think so? So I tried to act like I didn't see him, you know. And they got to the door. And as soon as they got on, they were all out of breath. And, uh, you know, I felt like they were breathing the virus on me. It's an airborne thing, so don't blame me. And they were very huffy. And I got to tell you, you know... (sighs) Breathing like that next to me in a fucking elevator with the coronavirus everywhere? No, I don't want to be involved with that. Now, my nephew Joey, he has this thing. Oh, I love it so much. We used to do it together. We, You know when you skeeve people, you just see certain people coming and you skeeve them, particularly when him and I were on airplanes together. He's more of a germaphobe than I am. But when we're on airplanes together, he hates to see <laughs> you know when people are coming towards you when you're in your seat and you pray it's not the person that's going to sit next to you. Oh no, not this person, not this person. This person is 360 pounds. Please God, please God, and they pass you. Then here comes a pretty girl. Ooh, this could be good. Please, please sit, sit. Oh damn it! And then here comes the guy at the end of the fucking boarding that you just don't want next to you. And every time, one time that happened, Joey and I flying back from Italy or some shit, and some a person who looked like a wreck comes on the flight 
And he's going to sit next to Joey. So Joey starts, he started doing this thing years ago, and we all do it now. He starts blowing air away from his body so that their germs won't get near. (laughs) It sounds awful, but we started doing it to certain, like if skinny gay guys were near us and we were afraid they had AIDS 25 years ago, we would kind of blow when they weren't looking. So maybe their germs would fly away. I know it's stupid and childish, but we laughed and we kind of felt like, well, maybe this could help. It can't be any worse than those silly masks as if those masks are going to really stop anything. You know, so many viruses and shit go through your eyes. These masks, it's just ridiculous. Anyhow, so as they're on the elevator behind me, I try to take a picture over my shoulder, but I'm not too good at the turning the fucking lens around, all that shit. And I took one, but it was blurry. It didn't work out. I actually wanted to post it so you could see these people with masks, but I felt like they knew what I was up to, so I it, the camera didn't, it was all blurry. And Asians know cameras and phones, so, uh, you know, I, I look suspect. But I did snap one off, but I can't post it. Um, okay, so I get to the doctor's office. I blow out, I, I exhale, because I wasn't breathing in the elevator. I was almost passing out from holding my breath. I exhale, I get to the doctor's office, and I forgot I needed change of a 20 to pay the doctor. They never have change, which pisses me off. You're a fucking doctor. Have $10 in your pocket, but he didn't. So I go, I'll go down to the pharmacy and get a water or some shit, you know, and I'll be fine. I took my dog with me, by the way, because, you know, the dog is here in the hotel illegally and I didn't want to leave the hotel. My wife is working. My kids are at school. I, I could never leave the hotel wondering what's happening to the dog. Is housekeeping walking in, even though it says do not disturb? You know, you never know. I was panicked because I, I took my fucking dog. I was late for the doctor. It's 85 degrees out. I had to throw a blanket over the dog's basket. Oh, Christ. But she's she's great. She said nothing. So I said, I'll go to the pharmacy and get change of, uh, of his 20. No problem. Go down to the pharmacy, and there's no there's no water. There's just soda there. I didn't want a soda at eleven o'clock in the morning. There was nothing there. I really, I didn't want a I didn't want a cookie. I just said, "Oh shit, let me ask the girl who runs the place if she can open the register and get me change." Now she's Asian as well, and I said, "Hi, honey, I'm sorry. Can you can you make me change if it's twenty? You know, she, I'm sorry. You know, it's so we don't have." I said. You don't have change of a 20? I just need 10 back. No, it's so early. I said, it's early. It's fucking 11 and 15. What's early? You're a, you're a pharmacy in a medical building in Burbank. I'm looking for 10 bucks. No, she didn't want to give me anything because she felt like I had germs. This is what the coronavirus is doing. Don't tell me a pharmacy doesn't have 10 fucking dollars. So what do I do? I have to leave her fuck pharmacy and go down to the the Armenian guy who runs the parking garage down below. He couldn't wait to give me the money. They don't give a shit, those people. Good for him. So I do that, and it's all good. And uh, oh, but I forgot to say, by the way, after she said she had nothing in her in her register, she said, let me check my purse. And I was like, oh, good. And then I thought, no, I don't want anything from her purse in my hand. This is what the coronavirus is doing to us. So and by the way, the other day at Kennedy Airport in New York, they had a news guy there. You know, we've been told that Air China is not operating. Meanwhile, this news guy is at the counter and you see people being checked onto flights and he pulls some Asian people away. I don't know if they're Chinese or who knows. They, they were, you know, he, and by the way, I heard the word Orientals coming back in vogue, just so you know, 
If you hear it, don't get mad. You can say Oriental again, apparently. So he pulls some Asians aside, and they just flew in from China. And he goes, how is that possible? You flew in from China, and no one's stopping you. And they said to him, mind your business, and they walked away. We are fucked. We are fucked. All it takes is one person on the New York City subway system with coronavirus and forget it. New York City will shut down. The subway system is like your asshole. You can have a problematic heart. Your lungs could be an issue. Maybe your your uh, your uh, upper GI, whatever the fuck. Nothing. When your asshole shuts down, guess what? You're going to die. There's all sorts of things they can do for your heart and your bladder and everything else, but not your asshole. The subway system is New York City's asshole. If it's if there's a sickness in there, they're going to start throwing bleach and chlorine around. We're doomed. And people fly from New York to California all the time. It ain't good. It ain't good. It's not so much of a question of will this happen in this country? It's about when this will happen. And let me also say this. I know I uh, began the show talking about the Kobe tribute. I don't know why it took me a few days to talk about this, but I didn't like Beyonce. She's fallen out of favor with me, as you know. Her and her fucking husband, who looks like Farina now. And and, and Beyonce's looking more and more more and more like her mom, who's a very angry-looking woman. Not a pretty face, because she's always scowling. Beyonce for the most part, is still very attractive. But she was once, in my book, gorgeous. Now, I'm not going to say she's fat. I'm just going to say she's gotten very wide. And some of the clothes she's wearing, I'm not in favor of. They make her look bigger and wider, and she needs more room to walk around in. And what she wore to the Kobe tribute didn't look right. But the real thing that bugged me First of all, one of this I like the song Halo. The other song she sang, I couldn't distinguish a fucking word she was singing at all. That was an awful fucking rendition. But how about her not allowing any photographer to take a picture of her while she's there? What is she? Is it because she wants to Photoshop her pictures before they get released so we can all believe she's thinner than she thinks she is? What is the reason for this? How vain can you be? All this bullshit from somebody who uh, allegedly accepts herself for who she is. She's one of those people who wants you all to accept yourselves for who you are like she does. It's nonsense. She's hiding behind something. When you have instructions like that to give photographers, what the fuck are you hiding? What are you not happy with? How do you step out in public? You can't Photoshop people's eyeballs from seeing the real you. This part, I'll tell you what, her and her husband, she's so far up her ass, she can give herself a, a root canal. Yeah, she could have sat in the audience and nobody would have cared. The camera would have panned past her like they did for everybody else there. But no, she's going to sing. Does Kobe like the song Halo? Okay. But sitting down would have been too selfless, right? God forbid she sets aside some narcissism and some vanity for one day. So the day is not about her. You know, I mean, there's there's people there, including kids. They, they, they People died a terrifying, violent death. But, you know, everybody, listen, the most important thing today is let's do our best at not photographing Beyonce. How could you even ask that question or make that demand? 
just look, you're a public figure. You're going to be photographed terribly at times in your life. There's nothing you can do about it. Just live your life or fucking stop doing what it is you do. Because you can't, you can't escape being photographed poorly sometimes. You're not in control of everything in your life. People that want that kind of control are real scary. Public figures going to a public event for another public figure, you cannot tell people, don't take pictures of me. I understand no pictures of Kobe's children. Absolutely. But listen, Christine Aguilera allowed pictures uh, taken of her, and Christ, she looked like Vince Neil when she was singing. Her voice sounded great, but, uh, you know, Christina's, uh, you know, not quite the young minx she used to be. Anyhow, there's a story that's running around the news, and I find it fascinating. You know the singer Duffy? It's kind of disturbing. The singer Duffy said that she hasn't been around for a number of years because she didn't want to talk about this. She was raped. She was, uh, you know, uh, taken into a a place and, and beaten and raped, and, you know, she couldn't get over it for years. She stepped away from the spotlight, couldn't perform. Because she, she, she performs from the heart and she said her heart was broken. You, you can't sing from a broken heart. Whatever the fuck. It's a terrible story. I hate to think she's making it up. But something in me thinks, did this really happen? Is this the new thing now? Are people going to cry rape for sympathy or, or for some Me Too points? I don't know. It is, it is a way to get the, the, to get the focus back on you. I mean, there are plenty of people... I can think of that I loved making music that kind of lost the touch or didn't get lucky again and had to be away from the business they loved so much for four or five years. Remember Natalie Imbruglia? We thought she was going to be around forever. What the fuck happened to her? Plenty of people disappear for a while. The magic just isn't there. They're not all fucking taken down and raped. So is this a real story? I don't know. We got to look more into it, but I'll tell you what. What gives her story more credence is something that happened to another singer that I I adored, and I still do. I just don't hear her sing much anymore. Remember Joss Stone? Um, Joss Stone, well, Duffy had the songs Well, 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 and Mercy. Mercy's a song they sang constantly on The Voice and American Idol. It almost ruined the song for me. You Got Me Begging for Mercy is a great song. But Joss Stone had some really cool songs, and she had such a great way of of dealing with lyrics. Tremendous, tremendous vocalist. And a few weeks ago, I'm wondering why she disappeared. And then this Duffy story comes, and I'm like, well, shit, maybe this happened to her too. But then I forgot. I, I, it just it escaped me. The Joss Stone story makes you believe that what Duffy is saying actually happened because what happened to Joss Stone, I think back in 2011, um, she was, you know, just going about her business and all of a sudden there were these rumors that came around that, you know, she's fucked too many producers for, for tracks and she just went away and they got hip to her game. But the truth of the matter is back in 2011, two guys were caught outside of her house with a bunch of weapons, they were planning to kill her. Says two fucking psychos targeting British female singers. Is that happening? You know, Duffy got out of it alive, and and, and so did Josh Stone. But 
these two guys who, who, who were planning on killing Josh Stone nine years ago, they were caught about a mile or two from her house. And um, she was home at the time, too. The guy's name was guy's name were Kevin Liverpool and Junior Bradshaw, two guys in their 30s. And they were found guilty of plotting to rob and murder Josh Stone. And the cops said there was no doubt these guys were capable of carrying out what they said they wanted to do in their mission. They left Manchester and they took this macabre road trip early in the morning and their destination was to get to Josh Stone's house and get this. In their trunk, they found all this type of equipment, some weapons, samurai swords, knives, hammers. Uh, There was also a bunch of handwritten notes detailing their plot on how they were going to murder her. They wanted to behead her and dump her body in the river and rob her house. And as they were going to the the, the house, the, they stopped for gas and they sped off without paying. And they damaged their car in the process. And because of that, they were caught. But the notes that they found, the cops found, said she was targeted probably because she had connections to the royal family. And they wrote on their notes, Rob, kill, and Jocelyn, uh, Jocelyn, rest in peace. They were going to behead this young girl and rob her. So I don't know. Is that what's happening now? Do do young singers on that side of the pond have to worry about crazy people killing them, raping them, knocking them off for their money? Maybe I spoke too soon when I thought that Duffy was maybe doing this for me two points and sympathy points. Maybe maybe I got to slow my roll. Maybe not every girl is looking to do this shit to take down a man or to just knock men in general. Maybe there really is an open war on women, just as we happen to know for a fact that there is and there has been an open war on young men. I'm AJ Benza. That was your podcast for February 26, 2020. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an A.J. Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.